That's nice to get a round of applause before I've even started, but there we go. Let's, let's begin with prayer. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for being here together in this place. And Lord, we pray that you would speak to us now from your word and by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so can anybody guess why I'm wearing this jumper? Uh, I wonder. Yeah, of course, it's because we just saw the rainbow um, in the story of Noah. And I'm going to see, are we able to get the PowerPoint to work? We are, hopefully, and hopefully I'll be able to move this on myself. We're going to begin with a quiz now. So I don't know if the children want to come back up. Uh, if they'd like to come up, or they can just answer from where they are. Should we see? Yeah, let's, maybe let's just answer from where we are. So we've got the Noah quiz, and we're going to divide the church into two and see which side can do better. So I'm going to be looking for kids for answers first, but if the kids can't get the answers, then the big kids can help them out. Okay, so we're going to see how we do with this. It's pretty easy, but just really see. It's a mixture of where you're watching the video and do you know the story that's in the Bible that has a little bit more to it as well. So first of all, if this will work, click. Yes, oops, we've got two for the price of one there. Well, well, let's do the first one first. Why did God send the flood? Why did God send the flood? Right at the back there, yes. Because there was evil in the world, did you say? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Because a lot of people in the world were doing a lot of bad stuff. There was a lot of bad stuff going on. There was evil in the world. Oh, thank you. Oh, we've got a roving mic now. So, one nil to this side. So, question two. Why did God choose Noah? Why did God choose Noah? Yeah. Oh, we got a mic coming. Here we go. Because he was nice. Because he was nice. I'm going to give a point to this side. Yeah, the Bible uses a longer word, righteous, but it kind of, we're getting there. Yeah, he was, he, he did the right stuff by God, and so he was nice. All right, we can go for that. Question number three. Ah, oh, good. Easy one here. What did God tell Noah to do? Now, you're not a child, Alan. I know you are, I know you are at heart, so am I, but your hand went up first on this side, I think. Yeah. Shout it out, shout it. What did God tell Noah to do? To fly? Wow. That's, that's, a, that's a video I've not watched yet. That's, that's an exciting one. I'm, I haven't seen that one yet. But anyone else? Well, your hand was up very quickly as well. Uh, well, you've already answered one, so I'm going to ask you. What did God tell Noah to do? We've got a mic coming again. Shout it into the mic. To build a boat. To build a boat. Absolutely. Well done. So we've got two to this side, one to this side. Very good. We're getting there. And next question, now. Didn't give it this in the video. This will be testing people's memory of biblical measurements. And um, if you can translate it into meters, that's even better. How big was the ark? Anybody know? It was huge, yep. Getting in the right direction. We've got someone at the back thinks they know? Yes. Let's, let's hear. 
Was it two elephants high? Two elephants high? Mm. I think it was 14 metres high, which is, I suppose, if they're very big elephants, it's probably about three elephants high. Anyone know how long it was? Go on. Go on, Jane. I only heard 40 cubits. 40 cubits, yes. I am told, according to to, um, footnotes in the Bible, which tell you these sorts of things, that it was 135 metres long. Now, that is much longer than a whole football pitch. Okay, so it's about a, a football pitch and a half long. That's how long the big the ark was. This was a huge boat, but it needed to be, didn't it? Because of everyone who was going to go in it. So, next question. Now, how many pairs of each animal went in the ark? I'm afraid this side, the hands went up first. So, and your hand went up very first, I think. Yeah. Um, one pair of each animal, so two animals. One pair of each animal. Now, it's really interesting, this, because in the first bit of the Bible that talks about this, in Genesis chapter 6, I think it is, God tells, it starts at the end of Genesis 6, and God tells Noah to put one pair of every animal in. But then in chapter 7, God seems to have had a slight rethink. And when he actually says, bring them into the ark, how many pairs? Go on. Exactly, seven. So I'm going to give the point to this side, so it's two all. Seven pairs of all the clean animals and one pair of the unclean animals. So most animals, there were 14 of them. And we'll come back to that a bit later. 14 of most animals, seven pairs. Okay, next. How long did it rain for? Yeah, go on. 40 days and 40 nights. Absolutely spot on. 3-2. Now, this side has got more children, but you're going to have to work harder this side. Okay, 3-2. So, uh, really tough question. How long was the earth flooded for before it started to go down again? And, yes, you have an answered right at the back. Five months That's exactly right. It says 150 days. That's five months. So that's exactly right. Well done. Fantastic. So I think we're... How? What's the score? How can it be 3-3 when we've had seven questions? Uh, We're running out here. I haven't got any prizes anyway. So anyway, let's call it 3-3 and see what happens. How did Noah know that it was over, that the flood was finished. It did tell us a bit about this in the video. Yeah, go on. When he checked. When he checked? But how did he check? Can you remember he sent something? um, The dove. A dove, yes. And what did the dove bring back? An olive branch. An olive branch. Well done. We got there. This got there very well. So Noah knew it was all over because he sent out some birds, a raven first, and then some doves. And when the dove came back with a bit of olive, he knew that the earth had started to recover. Question nine. All together now, what did God send in the sky? A rainbow. A rainbow. Okay, very good. And I've got the visual aid. Final question. What was God's promise that came with the rainbow. 
Oh, we've got hands up on both sides. Uh, somebody who's not answered yet. You've not answered, have you? Go on, into the mic. There won't be any more floods. There won't be any more floods. Absolutely. Fantastic. So we know the story of Noah. Except all those questions are good questions. They're all based on the story. They're all ones that I think I was asked when I was in junior church or Sunday school quite a few years ago. But there are some questions that as I got older, I realized had never been asked. So we're going to look at those questions now. And this isn't so much a competitive quiz. It's something for us to think about. The extra Noah quiz. And here are the questions. Who got saved and why? Who was God's promise for? And what's this got to do with us? So let's think about that first one. Who got saved and why? Who got saved on the ark? Noah. How many other humans? Somebody said seven. Absolutely right. Seven other humans. That's what we're told. Noah, his wife, his three sons, Ham, Shem, and Japheth, and their three wives. Now, there may be others, but those are the ones we're told about. So, as far as we know, four pairs of humans got saved. How many animals got saved? Quite a lot. Yeah. Seven pairs of all the clean animals. And even one pair of the animals that were disgusting, that tasted horrible, that made the place smell, that were poisonous and dangerous, and weren't very nice to Noah. So, that's an amazing question. When we think about who God cares about and who God wants to save, we tend to think people, people, people. But in the story of Noah's Ark, God's purposes are bigger than that. God cares about all of creation. God cares about all that he's made, all the creatures. And why? Well, we're only given a clue. When God says to Noah to put the animals on the ark, he says simply, so that their kind might continue on the earth. And what that suggests is that it's not because they matter for Noah. It's not so that he can enjoy being a zookeeper or that he can have a nice barbecue after it's all finished. It suggests that they matter to God. That they have value completely separately from their value to us. They matter to God. God cares about wildlife. Or to use a term that's a bit more modern, biodiversity. God cares about biodiversity, about planet Earth, and about all the creatures that live on it. And again, when they come off the ark, and this bit was on the video, God says, let them go so that they can reproduce and spread all over the Earth. God wants wildlife all over the planet. That's what that suggests. And it's a bit of a shock to us that God's priorities are not just about people, but they're about everything. So on to the second question. Who was God's promise for? When God sent the rainbow and made this promise that never again would he flood the earth, who was the promise for? Does anyone know? Everyone on earth. 
In fact, and this really shocked me when I first studied it in depth, in Genesis 9, at the end of the story of Noah, it repeats seven times in the original text, in the Hebrew, that God's promise was with you and your descendants, that's the people, and every living creature on the earth. And in fact, in one verse, it even says, my promise, my covenant with the earth. So every living creature, animals, birds, squirrels, hippos, swallows, even mosquitoes, are included in God's promise. They're all part of God's promise to creation. So God has a covenant, a saving promise, that includes all creatures, not only people. God cares about all of it. And that leads on to the question I want to spend the rest of my time on. What's it got to do with us? Because today, in many ways, we live in the days of Noah. We live in the days when people have not been behaving well all over the world. People have been fighting, people have been greedy, but people have also been careless and polluting and have destroyed the beauty of God's world. One of the most shocking facts that I've learned in recent years is that if you look at, here's a complicated word, the biomass, which is the weight of living creatures on the earth, the biomass of mammals on the earth is 96% humans and animals used by humans as pets or for food. Only 4% of the biomass of mammals on earth is wildlife. And yet God had it rather a different way round on the ark. Now I thought of doing something today and in the end I thought it was going to be too complicated. But I thought of retelling the story of what happened if Noah's ark happened now. And we were all Noah going out to look for the animals. But lots of them we wouldn't find anymore. And we certainly wouldn't find seven pairs of them because they're gone in so many parts of our world today. That's the sad fact of it. Uh, if I can, yeah. God calls us to be today's Noah's. And I'm going to spell that out and look at these very quickly. Those of you who know me of old in this place will know that I love mnemonics. And so we've got one today. Noah. Notice the changes that are happening in the world around us. Be open to what God wants to say to us about that. Act together to make the changes we need to and help others who are caring for God's world. So that's how we can be Noah's today. We live in a world where terrible things are going to happen, whatever we do, but we can stop it being the worst possibilities by what we do now. Some of you will have seen the report that was out just this week from the United Nations, saying that we've probably now left it too late to stop climate change staying under one and a half degrees. But every step that we take can help stop it rising too far above that. And every step that we take will protect the lives of millions of people 
and millions of God's creatures around the world. And the climate conference coming up in Egypt next, next month in Sharm el-Sheikh, whether or not our prime minister attends in person, is absolutely critical, not just for the economy of one country, but for the future of our whole planet. There are a whole lot of potential tipping points, things that scientists are kept awake at night about, where we can't be sure exactly when and how fast they'll happen, but they're points of no return in the way that our Earth looks after itself and looks after all of us. Things like the ice caps melting and the permafrost melting, where when that starts, we just can't stop it. Things like ocean currents changing direction, which will have massive results for the weather that we have to endure in decades to come. And scientists don't know exactly when these things will start, but they do know that we're seeing some of them already beginning and that more of them will happen the more we let the planet warm up. I mentioned that horrific statistic on wildlife and biomass. The fact is we've lost 70% of the world's wildlife populations in my lifetime. Probably more than that but at least that, in one human lifetime. We are being the opposite of Noah in our behavior around the world. We need to notice this. Notice what's going on. Let it sink in at a deep level. And as we do that, whoops, jumped two there. I can go back one. Uh, might need help going back one. There we go. We need to be open to God to melt our hearts. And the more I think and speak about this subject, the more I think that what God wants us to do is to lament, first of all. Lament is a great biblical theme of what happens when things have run out of control and we know we're partly to blame. When the world seems to be in a terrible mess and we say to God, Lord, how long? Lord, please act. Lord, start with me. That's what lament is all about. I won't read out that long and complicated quote, but if you want to read that book, it's a really powerful read. It's stories from Christians all around the world who are experiencing the impacts of climate breakdown. And then, after being open to God, we need to act. We need to act together to live out different values from the world around us, the values of the kingdom of God, the values of justice and peace, the values of caring for all God's creatures. And that means we need to change the way that we drive or fly, the way that we eat. It means that the crisis that many of us are facing with heating our homes should also be helping us to think, could I live with the temperature a little bit cooler? Could I turn it down and put another jumper on and save money, but also help save the planet a little bit by doing that? We all need to make steps together in caring for God's creation. It means that things like doing our recycling 
shouldn't just be a chore that we feel we have to do, but should actually be an act of worship. It should flow out of our love for God and that we want to love God's world and we want to stop polluting it. Act together with Eco Church. Last time I came and spoke at this church, I put up this slide about Eco Church, which is a project run by a Russia UK. And at that time, I said there were 2,000 churches in the UK that were doing Eco Church, which was fantastic. Well, that was, I think, about two and a half years ago. I think it was just before the pandemic that I last came and preached here. Now, that figure is over 5,000. Eco Church is just exploding as Christians around the UK are realizing how vital it is to care for God's creation. That's something we can do together, and it's exciting to see that Christians are doing that now. And here's a little advert, something we've started down the road from here. We've started a thing called Outside Church, down where I live on the edge of Southall. And once a month, we're taking church outside. We've called it Outside Church, both because it is, but also because it's for people who wouldn't want to be seen dead inside church. Uh, And we hope some of them will enjoy it as well. And so we do all sorts of things. We go for walks, we go blackberry picking, we do uh, carols and litter picking at Christmas. Um, We do harvest suppers outdoors where we pick stuff and then cook it. All kinds of things. And we worship God while we're doing that. So next Sunday afternoon... We're going to have a walk around Ostley Park um, together, finishing with a little time of prayer. So any of you be welcome to join. If you want to, let me know. Now, this is just the personal bit that I'm slipping in here. Because I'm a mission partner from St. John's, and some of you have known me and the family for 20-plus years, amazingly, uh, I thought I'd just slip in a bit of family update at this point as we're thinking about how we can support others in caring for God's creation how we can help others, my final bit of Noah. Um, So helping a rusher is one of the ways that you can help others. So where are we, what's happening as a family? Well, our big news this year is that our oldest daughter, Hannah, got married to Ian, and that Anne, yep, you can clap that, absolutely. They're doing really well. And that my wife, Anne, took the service, which was fantastic. It was the first wedding she'd conducted um, because of the pandemic. And she has now become vicar of St. Mary's Norwood Green. So Anne is now vicar at St. Mary's, which is absolutely wonderful. So that was that. And for those of you who know the family, next slide. There we are. There's all of us, plus plus an extra bridesmaid who slipped into the photo. But, but those of you who know our daughters, there they all are with Anne and I. And Ian, Hannah's new husband. And in terms of our work with Arosha, as some of you will know, I work on the international team for Arosha as we oversee what's happening in now well over 20 countries around the world where Arosha is working. And we are a small international team. Uh, That was us meeting in Wales last month uh, for our annual team meeting. We meet uh, most of the time only online because we're scattered between different countries, um, and so we all work from home. But that was us actually meeting to do some planning and some work together. And amongst the things that are going on, we started a thing called Friends of Arosha, which is a kind of low threshold for countries that want to come on board and join us. And since we launched this just a few months ago, we've had about 10 new Friends of Arosha countries come on board. So this is about Costa Rica and Panama, 
Um, it's a part of the world we've not had a Russia in until recently, but now Costa Rica and Panama have got friends of a Russia groups. There are other ones in Nepal and Croatia, Democratic Republic of Congo, Burundi. Uh, it's exciting. This is happening all over the world as Christians are catching this vision. Books. I wouldn't be bookless without talking about books. Um, but one that's not by me that I really want to recommend, it's just out. It's called A Place at the Table. And it's by my colleague Joe Swinney, who's a Russia's Director of Communications. Uh, she's also daughter of Peter and Miranda Harris, who founded a Russia 40 years ago. And as some of you will know, tragically, Miranda was killed and Peter badly injured in a road accident two and a half years ago. Uh, actually, three years ago. And um, this book is an extraordinary book because Jo went through her mum's diaries and discovered that there was a book almost written in her diaries. So it's co-written from Miranda's diaries and her daughter Jo, who is a published author in her own right. And it's about hospitality and community and creation. And it's an easy read and it's a brilliant read. I really recommend it. It's called A Place at the Table, Make an excellent Christmas present for somebody. Um, and then, um, if you happen to read Korean, um, some of you will know that my little book, Planetwise, has found its way into all sorts of strange parts of the world. And it's now been published in Korea. Um, so that's it in Korean. And that seems to be causing some ripples. Um, and I, I'm having to turn down invitations to go to Korea next year because I've got too many of them. Um, or I'm saying, can you do it in combination with several other people so that I can just go for once? Because that's really exciting. It's a big Christian country where creation care seems to be beginning to take root. That, whoops. One more slide. That one. Um, just two weeks ago, three weeks ago, um, I was in Jordan where we held the final one of a series of regional conferences on creation care and the gospel that we've been running over the last few years. We've done it in partnership with the World Evangelical Alliance, the Lausanne Movement, and we've now covered every region of the world. This was the final one for the Middle East and North Africa. Uh, and we had about 80 people in total. They're not all in the photo. Um, some for security reasons. We couldn't photograph some of them because of the countries they work in. Um, but about 80 people from that part of the world gathered together to think about creation care in the context of the Middle East. And this was so exciting to hear a Palestinian Bible scholar talking about a theology of the land, to hear people from North Africa talking about planting trees to reforest areas that had been desertified, to hear a medical doctor from Egypt who runs uh, an oasis, literally an oasis, that provides respite for children with cancer and their families, but she does it in a sustainable way and teaches about sustainable living at the same time. Some amazing things already happening in the region. Uh, and God is doing amazing stuff around the world. So I'm going to finish by reminding us of how to be a Noah. To notice what's happening around the world, notice the changes to our planet to open our hearts and our emotions to God touching us in this area, to act personally and with others, and to help, to help Arosha and to help others who are working in caring for God's earth. So, Sam, shall I move straight into prayers?
Yeah, okay. So we're going to pray now, and I'm going to need your help. You've listened incredibly well, especially uh, younger ones who some of, some of that was boring and some of it was more interesting, I'm sure. But we're going to pray now, and we're going to pray for the planet, and we're going to pray for people as well. And I want some of you to suggest some things that we can pray for. As we're praying, first of all, as we're praying for God's creation, for the earth, for planet earth and its creatures, anybody got anything they'd like us to pray for? For rainforests. Thank you so much, Jenny. Yes, we'll pray for rainforests. Absolutely. Anyone else? Wildfires, places affected by wildfires. Pandas. Thank you. Anyone on this side? Anything you'd like us to pray for? Wildlife in general. And war. Yeah. You going to say something? Floods. Yes. Okay, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this amazing world and that like Noah, you call us to care for it. Lord, we pray for some of those places, creatures, people that are suffering at the moment, those suffering from floods and those suffering from droughts, those suffering from wildfires. Lord, we pray for the rainforests, the lungs of the earth, We pray that you would protect them and protect the people who are looking after them. We pray for pandas and for all the creatures that each of us love and are inspired by. And the ugly ones too, because even those found a space on the ark. Lord, we pray for the important talks happening in Egypt next month. That the world might wake up to our need to change and to care better for all that you have made. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Brilliant. Now we're going to pray for people. And we've already had war, so we'll come on to it. We'll include war in that, uh, and particularly the war going on in Ukraine. Are there other things around the world for people that you'd like us to pray for today? Sicknesses. Yeah, we'll pray for those who are suffering and ill. Those who might be losing their faith. Yes, thank you. Salvation. Salvation. Absolutely. That's kind of the other side of that one, isn't it? Pray for those who are losing their faith and pray for people to find faith. Drugs in West Ealing. Yeah. And Yemen. Wow, we've got... I'm not going to probably remember all of these, but, but God's listening now. God's listening just as we're chatting. Okay, let's, let's hold some of those things together. Lord, we pray for all these things, for things that are local to us and touch us personally and things that are global and known to you and we feel we can't change, but we know you can. Lord, we pray starting with the local. We pray for people we know who are sick, who are feeling miserable, who are struggling with the cost of living crisis. We pray for people who are struggling with their faith, with doubts and with big questions. We pray for those affected by drugs here in West Ealing and in West London. Lord, come and pour your spirit into these situations. And if you want any of us to be doing something practical, touch our hearts now, Lord. 
And Lord, we pray for some of these bigger issues going on in the world today where we sometimes feel helpless for the ongoing war in Yemen that's been going on for so long and for this war in the Ukraine that's also now been going on for so long. Lord, you're the Prince of Peace. And we just plead with you, Lord, to bring peace where there is war. And Lord, we pray for the other big issues going on in our world today. Issues of injustice. Issues of corruption. And Lord, we pray most of all that people would know their need of you. That the lost might come to you and be found by your love. Lord, we pray that your salvation, your healing in every sense, would touch people in our communities and around the world. We ask that for the glory of Jesus. Amen. Okay, I'm going to hand back to Sam now, and uh, we're going to carry on with the rest of the service. Thank you so much, Dave. Shall we appreciate Dave? Thank you.